Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening and welcome to the program. Tonight, for your quintessential listening pleasure, poet T.A. Niles is here. The opening phrases of T.A.'s bio reminded me of a change is going to come by Sam Cooke, where Sam saying, I was born by the river. T.A. writes that he was a seed planted in the Caribbean soil of Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago on the cusp of the transformational 60s. He was watered and fertilized in the gardens of Brooklyn, New York and Hartford, Connecticut, throughout most of the bell-bottom era of the 1970s. He was forced into trials by the fire in the U.S. Marine Corps in the late 70s through the early 80s, buddied and bloomed in academia in the 1980s and 90s, before he withered, his withering began at the turn of the 21st century. T.A., you are the man. Welcome to the program. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to finally be on Quintessential <laughs> You know, I, when I read your opening, I was like, I've never, <laughs> I've never seen an opening like this one before. It was incredible. Incredible. Well, You've got to tell me before we begin this journey, my friend. Tell me about the genesis of how did you write it? Why did you write it? It's beautiful. Well, well, I appreciate that, Michael. But, you know, I, I'm kind of an out there sort of individual about two and a half standard deviations away from the norm. And uh, I, you know, <laughs> jumped into this poetry world and I'm listening to lots of accolades and, and lists of where people have been published and whatnot. And I don't have any of that. So I just said, well, you know, you know, um, I'm just going to do like I usually do and express myself from within and let people know who who I am. And I think I thought at the time, and hopefully you think so, too, that it does that. It gives people sort of a feel for who I am, where I'm coming from and what I'm about. I think so, my friend. Again, as I was sputtering my way through it, that was primarily (laughs) due to excitement that you're here with me. that you're going to share your work tonight, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I agree 100%, and I appreciate that invitation. Um, You've had some incredible guests. I've listened to quite a few and actually stolen at least one or two because I heard them on your show. (laughs) Uh, That's one reason I asked Teresa Gallion to be on that same show, the radio show that you were on, because uh, you, you bring powerful messages, and that's what I'm about. All right. Well, let's begin this poetic journey. My first question to you, my friend, is, what is poetry? (laughs) You know, Michael, that's a question that I first started asking myself back in the 80s. Um, But I haven't asked it for decades until Hiram LaRue lured me into the poetry world last year. Uh, Since then, Stephanie and I have been going around and around with that question. So I'd like to read a little short piece that I wrote back in the 80s 
when I first started asking myself that question, it might shed a little light on my poetic journey. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Um, This piece is called Mad at 2 a.m., and I was in my dorm room at the university having ideas. I think it was my first creative writing class, and I was going to enter a poetry uh, contest. And I listened to the radio, and I was like, whoa. So it's called Mad at 2 a.m. About 1983, I wrote that. 2 a.m. I'm awake. I think of what I heard last night on the radio. Poetry? Or was it? I think of the contest I'm about to enter. No chance. No hope. What I think of is poetry lives no longer. Ramblings on about this, about that, seem to have replaced the skillful mastery of nuance in word. The poem, Poetry is Useless, used, though in irony, seemed true representation. They call it prose, forsaken the rhyme. What happened to roses are red, violets are blue, and verse that whispered, I love you? Yes, the days of rhyme and rhythm seem to be dead. What appears solely to matter is what is said, not how, not when. Use words at random to impart a message appealing. Matters not whether it's perfectly set and to the air pleasing. I'm afraid to rhyme for fear of being labeled simple-minded. But I like to rhyme, and so I did. The old masters rhymed every verse or two, stretched it at times to three, even four. But modern talents think of such things no more. Freehand, shmehand, I'm tempted to say. Let's write poetry the poetic way. We're the masters of language. Why don't we concoct a word to use? and stop subjecting the word poetry to such abuse. Anyway, and <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to that, for that 40-odd-year-old rant. Hey, <laughs> that rant is timely. <laughs> it's on the mark. It's on the money. <laughs> thank you for sharing it. So what I'd like you to do is to expound upon that in terms of poetry. Okay. Tell me more about poetry. Okay. okay. Well, you know, that was, again, like I said, 40 years ago. I've changed a bit. My ideas about poetry have changed a bit. I've met some incredible people who've opened my eyes and ears and mind. And so today, answering that question, I would say poetry, like beauty, like love, is in the eye and ear of the beholder. For me, it's weaving words and juxtaposing ideas and concepts in an idiosyncratic and hopefully interesting and thought-provoking and feeling-evoking way. Um, It's a creative means of self-expression and communication where I'm trying to touch the reader or listener in, in some way that perhaps they haven't been touched before. Maybe they haven't thought or felt about something and quite the way my expression prompts them to think and feel. Or perhaps it resonates with them because it brings something familiar to mind. So that's kind of where I'm at, and I hope that makes some sense. It does make sense. It's very profound. So what I'd like to know, my friend, is why is poetry important? Why do we do what we do? That's what I want to know. Why do you think we do what we do? (laughs) 
Well, you know, I can't speak for everyone else. And I know you called me a poet, and I have to say I don't identify myself that way, but uh, I love poetry, and I like to write poetry. And First, I think poetry is important because it's a form of expression that is as free and freeing as any other form of expression I've come across. And freedom, uh, self-expression, communication, these are among the most important concepts in my worldview. I've got to ask, why did you decide, because it was a decision, to not to identify yourself as a poet? Tell me about that. I want to hear it. Okay. okay. Well, you know, I've, I've got a natural aversion to labels, okay, because labels, although they define and identify things, they also seem to limit things. And I don't like limitations too much. Life is full of restrictions. I don't need to add any more. So, and so that's <laughs> one. Uh, another thing, um, you know, I'm, I'm very big on inclusion. I, I'm an inclusive kind of person, and I think our world could benefit from a little bit more of that. And as I have gone on this journey over this past year, I keep hearing things like, we poets and us poets, we are the ones who, and we, again, setting, setting themselves apart from other folks as though we are better than. Well, in, in my opinion, that, that, that doesn't create the kind of environment I want to be in. So I, mm. I will say, so what I say is I express. Um, it was interesting. Um, I did uh, an interview, the Sailor's Review. I'm sure you you know about the Sailor's Review out of Zimbabwe, yes. incredible publication. Uh, they did an interview and pu- published one of my pieces there. And Brian Magnati, who did the interview, um, he came back to me and said, how about we call you the expressionist? And I was, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't like labels generally, but doggone it, I like that one. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> because All that's right. what I do. I express. I, I think a, a poet, I mean, people like Judy Turek, who write poet, poems every single day, uh, bleeds poetry. <laughs> you know, if you, like she says, if you cut her, you, you, she would bleed poetry. Um, and right. that's not me. Poetry for me is one form of expression. And I write mm. all all kinds of things. So that's pretty much it. Hopefully that answers the question. Well, it's funny. It took me many years to claim the I won't call it a title, but to claim right. the, the of being a poet. To claim mm-hmm. that. Right. Because I felt like how can I be a poet? I don't know enough. I've not been trained enough mm-hmm. to know anything about poetry, which brings up a question. You kind of stated that poetry can be viewed as a very exclusive group by some people. Mm-hmm. And here's a question that I don't ordinarily ask, but I do occasionally. How mm-hmm. privileged is poetry? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm thinking about the question. Uh, you mean, is it in the realm and domain of the privileged? Is that kind of... Yes, yes, yes. that is correct. I, I would have to say absolutely. Um, because Even though there are a lot of people working to change that. Um, I, I know, uh, for example, J.C. Wayne of the Poetry Project, um, here locally in, in Silver City, Elise 
Stewart, former poet laureate in, in Silver City, goes into schools and, you know, and works and works with kids who ordinarily probably wouldn't touch poetry. Um, so you have to be literate, number one. Your vocabulary has to be substantial, I think, number two. And you, you have to have a mind that ranges and roams and so on. And, and I don't think people who are struggling to make a living and, and just doing their best to stay alive, et cetera, have the kind of mind space or even the concern to uh, delve into poetry. So, you know, I can hedge my bets a little, but I would say that uh, it is pretty much, in my opinion, in the realm of the privileged. Yes, I agree. But like you said, I hope that because of the the value that poetry contributes to the world, the value that poetry can contribute to oneself in terms of being able to process information, to be able to allow it to be cathartic in a sense, to get it out of your system, that that Absolutely. is open to everybody. Everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know. I am in total agreement. I mean, uh, you, one of the questions, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun that you had asked me, but it, it feels like it's relevant at this point. Um, you know, for me, every individual alive, <laughs> you know, um, their job is to enrich their own and other lives as much as possible. Um, and I think creating is one of the primary purposes of human beings. This is my own opinion. I'm not saying anybody smart said that. And, you know, and that creating fulfills uh, an enrichment of self and other. So I view poetry as a creative enterprise that adds to the storehouse of creativity, you know, and, and that, you know, is something extremely valuable, in my opinion, that, that poetry brings to our social table. And I believe right. it also stimulates new and different ways of thinking, feeling, perhaps behaving. I mean, um, that's kind of how I, that's, re, that's the reason why, you know, I put what I write out there with that kind of hope. Wow, very nice. I like the way you think. And I wanted to share also in terms of my view around poetry, claiming the, I'm going to, okay, title of being a mm -hmm. poet and right. no longer being ashamed or afraid to do that is that what's mm -hmm. wrong with me? Why <laughs> do my words not count? Why are they not valued? Mm -hmm. If you can claim it, so can I. Yeah, there you go. Well, again, if that's something you aspire to, and it seems this is one of the reasons why I've been going around and around with what is poetry, it's because mm -hmm. it seems to me that anything is considered poetry these days. Yes. Um, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really seem to matter. So uh, another poet friend of mine, we, we've gone around and around, Heidi Casa and I have had some, some really good conversations about this. And Stephanie, Stephanie actually said something that I thought was, was pretty poignant. She said, you know, there's a story in every poem, but there's not a poem in every story. Yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, and th this is something Steph comes up with incredible stuff like that. To me, it's incredible anyway. Um, but I think All a lot right. of people just disagree with that. 
You know, I think yes. it doesn't matter. Yes. If you write it and call it poetry, then therefore it's poetry. And that's what it is. Well, let's continue this journey. Mm-hmm. I enjoy talking to you. We could probably talk to the cows come home about a number of different things. But what I'd like to know right now is what are some of the predominant themes of your work? What do you write about? Oh, man. I typically write about social, you know, my, my writing is social commentary, um, self-exploration, love and relationships. I mean, I think those are the, the areas that, that I write about a lot because that's what I'm concerned with. You know, that's, that's what moves me. Um, every now and then I'll write to a prompt if I'm participating in a, like the 3030 I participated in with Stroll of Poets back in April. And so I'll mm-hmm. write to prompts, but generally it's, it's coming from within. You know, that's, that's why I like that expressionist term because I'm just like expressing myself. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Please share a poem. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to jump back to something that, uh, you know, s- s- still within the realm of defining poetry. Um, and I wrote this piece, uh, I believe, um, when I was featured at Cobalt. I, I was thinking about this question, and here's what came up. Thinking about poetry and me. Do words sing and dance? Do air bells ring? Does your chest swell or shrink? Do stomach muscles contract and ring unease from twisted sinew? Do ideas collide in kaleidoscope? Do they sneak up and tap you on the shoulder when you are listening the other way? Do you find yourself surfing melancholy seas, swimming in memories too deep to wade, or splashing in shallow froth of everyday experience? Does your head bow in reverence or shake in abhorrence? Do your hands demand to clap? Do your fingers command a snap? Do you soar and crash and thrash and gnash and wonder how the heck you got there? Chances are good that your eyes, your ears, and all the pieces of you that matter have been claimed, if but for a moment, by poetic manner. Poetry is like jello, a granite molder, a morphing cloud, a cement stanchion. It is rocket fuel and quicksand. Plaintive entreaties and strident commands, it slinks and swaggers, hollers from mountain tops, and weakly whispers your name and every other, wraps its arms around your shoulders like a favorite brother, stares you down before it winks, trips you up before lifting you up with extended hand. It shuns you, it pulls you close. It captures freedom, corrodes common chains, and releases releases both joy and pain. Although pain doesn't stain when belched free in a flurry of fingers, a heart song is sung louder when the singer's digits dabble on keys, or perhaps with pen. It is the reader, the listener, who will determine whether my expressions are poetic or not. I write about what moves me, what stimulates or stomps my senses. Of course, I'm hoping to touch your senses too. Ultimately, I suspect that what we call poetry says, I'm here in this world with you. 
This is how I experience it. And it asks, can you see it through my eyes? Can you hear it through my ears? Can you taste it with my tongue? Can you caress it with my fingers? Can you inhale it with my flared nostrils? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Do you want to? Thanks for listening. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I feel about it, man. That's all right, all right. You know, I am. I do not feel worthy to be in your presence. Oh, stop it, Mike! I do not feel me? worthy to hear your words. Oh, come on! <laughs> that was friend, that was wonderful, my friend. That was wonderful. Thank you, thank you. I I, I appreciate it. it. It almost reaches up to shell and bean. <laughs> oh, nothing ever will. It's <laughs> <laughs> a close second. <laughs> so when you think about writing a poem, T.A., how does it begin for you? With an idea, a poem, or an image? Uh, well, it all depends. Um, usually, usually it's not an, an image. Usually... Something happens. I usually write out of my own experience or out of uh, thinking about something. I mean, I read a piece the other night uh, at Spofest uh, when I featured, and I was thinking about, you know, Stephanie's youngest son and, and the whole relationship, and, and the piece came out of that. You know, it starts out with a, a thought or a feeling that I have, I mean, and it's possible that, uh, you know, it could come from looking around, but I'm pretty oblivious. I look through Stephanie's eyes when I want to see the world in terms of trees and flowers and beauty and all that. So she's got those artist eyes that I don't have, you know. But uh, so generally, it generally starts with a a feeling or an idea, some kind of concept bumping up against another concept. And I'm like, hmm. That, that sounds like it might work poetically. So, and I go from there. You know, all great writers, and you're a great writer, have great writing influences. Who are some of yours? And what makes them great in your eyes? <laughs> I was afraid of this question. <laughs> but um, I, because, again, um, early on, the only poetry that that I knew of was when I was a kid and heard, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. And that's what influenced me. And I started writing little pieces like that to, you know, little girls who I was attracted to and so on and so forth. Um, As far as people who are from the past and their influences, I, I really don't have, have any of those. However, I'll tell you, this this journey that I've been on here over these last 16 months or whatever it's been, I've bumped into quite a few people who are influencing me and in, inspiring me differently and to write differently. You know, like uh, Bonisi Zikali Zomkonto. I don't know if you have, you've seen him or heard him perform or read his work. Incredible. Cleveland Wall. You know, you've heard me mention Judy Turek, Sister Joy yes. Alford. You know Sister Joy. You've got to know because you're mm-hmm. up in that area. Amazing yes. work. 
Hiram LaRue. Ju- I mean, I've got a few. Julian Matthews. I heard Patricia Smith on Cobalt. I mean, Vinnie Colon is, you know, he's, like, he's telling me, because I'm verbose. I write, I write a lot. And Vinnie's like, look, you, you don't need 2,000 words. You can just say it in 100. You know, or Heidi, <laughs> Ca- Heidi Casa, I mentioned her as well. We talked a lot of poetry, um, you know, and again, talking with Steph about, you know, what is poetry and, and Steph's even writing poetry now. So Rick Lupert, lots of folks from today are influencing me. Prior to that, to be honest, I didn't even read much poetry. I just wrote what I could All write. Right. And yes. <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. All right. I understand. Please share another poem. Uh, does it uh, matter which? Well, you know, I mentioned... I should put at least a little bit of um, into because your your mom passed last year as well, right? And and yes. mine, yes, she mine did. passed mine passed last year as well. Yes. And this poem has a little bit. The ode is kind of long, so maybe I'll pass on that and read this one. Um, this one came out of the Stroll of Poets Thirty Thirty Challenge. Um, and it asks to write a poem in which you muse on the gifts you received at birth. And this one came out, The Horse's Mouth. An island of sun and rain and sugar cane, seas and trees, carnival, steel barn and seaside sand, roti and polori, the Hindu story, a lake of pitch, Mountains lush and womb-like valleys, hippo and bison in rivers, yards with squealing pigs and clucking chickens to trip over, tar melting beneath my feet, and a measure of sense enough to treasure every sliver of that tropical pie. A mother of will and pure conviction, belief in her mission, and a river of generosity that flowed through streams of plenty, a messy tangle of pride and humility, and a heaping measure of loving laughter. A father who delivered at least a few genes of value and a love of music and nuanced word. Siblings who somehow managed my madness, or at least survived it, and emerged still full of forgiveness. Spouse, with heart so stout, it rivals fable, and a mind that swirls in colors of diverse dimensions. The hidden map of merging paths that crossed, becoming rolling stones that did leave moss and mounds of loss nestled among the mountains of joy and pain. A body that moves like a restless cat and a mind to match its restlessness. This mind that reaches and seeks decreases in the fabric of our existence. Ears to hear unconscious cries echoing one's eyes screamed inside. Eyes with vision like a fly's, seeing in segments and still the whole. Hands to slide softly over lover's skin, tongue to taste her soul's flavor, and lips to speak her name in rapture. 
An organ to pipe the core of me into her depths in blissful spurts, and to plumb and receive her fullness in return. Curiosity, bursting through its wonder-filled wrapping, topped by bright bow and a twist of skepticism. A fierce regard for freedom, imbued with instinctive fear of fear that runs amok and stifles freedom's breath. A moral compass with a true north that remains intact even when I go off course. A deep regard for the real outside of me and for that which dwells within. The lust to wonder that cannot be sated and wanderlust to roam wherever fated, ill or no. The galaxy of songs and dreams and seeming possibilities that seethed and frothed in eventual frustration. Desire that dwindled like a dying candle's dimming flicker, more shadow than light, hardened wax to be discarded. And those dreams, those dreams that dwarfed my reality and the hamster wheel world I've inhabited, making mockery of my yearning spirit. A native naivete that spawned sufficient delusion, allowing me to elude my solitude for a few moments of conjured connection. The modicum of wisdom to wrap that solitude around my shoulders like a blanket that's just a tad too heavy. The ability to see curses as gifts and the contrasting vice versa. Thanks again for listening. Wow. What is the purpose of that particular piece? Ah. I'm allowing it to settle in. So I, I just want to know mm-hmm. what's the purpose of it yep. for you. Yes. Well, this, you know, even though when when I thought about reading it just now, I was thinking about the initial part with mom and her pure conviction and so forth. I realized the piece is more self-expository. It's sort of a, a, a little bit of a biography, if you will, a poetic autobiography, uh, because it's where I started from and kind of where I am at this point. Um, so I think the purpose of the piece is still, as I said, self-expression, trying to say, listen, you know, I don't care what it is you think, this is who I am in my eyes. You know, this is where I came from, the, the people that bore me, the, the people that's been around me, and so on and so forth. You know, it's so important to me to remember where you came from. And I think one way to acknowledge that is through the power of poetry. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful piece, T.A. Beautiful piece. Wow, beautiful piece. What do you view, my friend, as being the most difficult part of your artistic process? Who? Getting started. <laughs> I think I told you before that, you know, sometimes an idea will sit with me for, for weeks um, and things will flow around in my head and, you know, it, and it takes... I don't know what it takes exactly because when I force myself, I can write to a prompt. But even then, I have to sit with the prompt and let it swirl around inside me. 
So I think the hardest part is that waiting for something to gel. For the first, mm-hmm. and it may not end up being the first line of the poem, but that first thing that says, this has poetic potential, write it. And then, you know, once I get started, it's, it's not typically very difficult. But that first, uh, that first um, incubating period, if you will, you know, that's the most challenging part for me. All right. Let's go back in your past. You mentioned writing poetry for the young girls years and years ago. <laughs> yeah. Was there, was there a specific early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Um, you know, I, I've thought very hard about that, and I don't, I don't think of poetry and haven't, and, you know, you, this is a new thing for me that you've introduced. Like I said, I'm learning a lot just by talking to people like you who are poets and who've been poets for a long time and studied. But I've never thought of poets, poetry in terms of power, and my memory isn't so good anymore, so I can't even tell you um, what, what, what you know, what I was thinking about poetry throughout, throughout the year. So I really can't give you an experience where I said poetry has power unless about, again, these recent, actually, you know what? I I do have one. Wow. I can't believe this just (laughs) popped up. Uh, When I was at uh, Arizona state, um, I I read a piece for the first time. Um, It was a really dark, Piece that I, I couldn't read on the air, uh, but somebody coaxed me into going to the bookstore where they had a poetry reading. And I hadn't read the piece before, you know, pulling it out and started reading. So I'm up there at the podium, I start reading this piece, and the, in the back of my mind, I'm going, whoa, you know, this is, this is dark, and it's got a lot of cursing in it, and so on and so forth. And I was, I was feeling, you know, if I were probably lighter shaded, I might have turned red or something. But um, <laughs> I got through that piece. <laughs> I got through that. And after the reading, the number of people that came up to me and said, man, you know, whatever they said, but it like it reached them. And I was kind of a little bit in shock on that because, again, it was that might have been my first ever poetry reading i don't i don't remember but if i have to think about it and say you know when did you realize i think maybe that was the time oh wow what are you attempting to communicate with your art ga um it's it's so interesting and all my friends are going to be mad at me but i don't think of what i do as art <laughs> Again, it's it's just expression, and what I am hoping to accomplish is to have people again think about things, maybe, or feel about things, or you know, in a different way, or or maybe it's touching something that 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 they are familiar with. Um, so basically, it's a connective device for me. I want to say, this is me. And here it is. And what do you have to say? I'm happy to listen to you, whether it's in poetry or otherwise. But I think that's what I'm trying to do. I am trying to create, establish, sustain connection, communication, uh, 
people coming together to say, this is my experience of the world. What's yours? I'm willing to share mine with you, and I'm willing to hear yours. And it's pretty simple. There's nothing too lofty about it, I don't think. Mm. You know, there's so many questions that I'd like to ask you. (laughs) When you think about so many, so many, my friend, when you think about writing a poem, and based on what I've heard so far, just those two pieces, there's a lot of emotion involved in some of the themes of your work. There's a lot of emotion in those themes. Do you Mm -hmm. think that someone can be called a poet or an expressionist (laughs) if they don't feel strong emotions? Um, As I kind of said earlier, I think anybody can call themselves a poet. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has anybody has any aegis or any authority to say, no, you're not, (laughs) you know? Um, So in in our world today, it's almost as though you just say it and therefore it is. Um, But as I said, for me, Ooh, can I read a piece for you, Michael? Will that, would that help? Can I help answer that question with a piece? Would that be okay? Yes. Yes, please do. All right. And this is not complete. So pardon me if, uh, you know, I, I, I started this not too long ago. But anyway, the name of it, as it stands right now, is Poets. Many may not agree, but I see, I hear a difference between poets and poeticians. Poets feel language as much as they know it. They feel what they write as much as they think it. Poets use form when form is useful, when it makes the magic of their musings more powerful, when it helps massage messages into muscular meaning. Poets observe the dance of life, the subtle shakes and shimmies, the minute maneuvers that explode into earthquake motions that shadow valleys and scale mountainous emotions. Then, they choreograph words that samba, lines that salsa, stanzas that prance and polka. Poets construct phrases that call kakilambe and kwasa kwasa to mind and drum their meanings into the rhythm of your life's seasons. Poets sing words their instruments. Billy Preston sang, I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. And at first blush, he made me want to say, oh, hush, because I thought he was lying, was just playing wrong, because that song, sure enough, had a melody. But that was before my branches of English language grew, before the fruit of understanding had begun to ripen. Perhaps Preston was a linguist and knew that a double negative was a positive, and ain't got no melody was just humming with irony. That's as far as I got. Thanks for listening. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, you know, T.A., you write exceptionally well. Oh, well, I appreciate it, Michael. I appreciate it. You really, really I do. I mean, I'm not uh, – I don't lie. There's no reason to. Um, okay. You. Uh, there's no reason to. There's no but reason. Guess, if we go back to your question, uh, you know, I guess I do have an answer uh, because mm-hmm. for me um, – Poets feel 
what they write as much as they mm-hmm. think it. So I guess I found an answer to your question in this. <laughs> That's my answer. Oh, yeah, wow. it's beautiful. Well, what's for me feel? Now, do you think that you were meant to be an expressionist? <laughs> I love it. Oh, you, you've made the shift. <laughs> I appreciate that. I want to jump through there, jump through the lines and give you a big old hug, man. Uh, uh, people keep trying to put labels on me that I don't want. <laughs> Anyhow, to your, to your question. <laughs> Not on this show. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Since, since, since uh, you know, I, I took a philosophy class. Where, I mean, I was a philosophy major for like one semester before I got out of there. So I think a lot, right? And I think that mm-hmm. everything that happens is meant to happen. So since I write an awful lot, I've been meant to write. Um, now, whether it's an expressionist, a poet, uh, a, a novelist, uh, whatever, I've got I don't know. I got to have millions of words written, man. And I've been doing it since I was a kid. So right. I'm going to have to say, I guess I was meant to write. I can say that. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, what surprises you most then about being an expressionist? Hmm. Um, honestly, I can't think of anything that surprises me about poetry now. But I think Mm. what surprised me when I entered this realm was that so many people don't seem to care about the messages in poetry. So many people just seem to care more about whether it got published, whether it's an X form, a Y form, whether it's reminiscent of X big name or Y big name poet and that sort of thing. Um, Of course, I could be misinterpreting, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But... The message, the message seems to be the last thing on the minds of many of the people I've shared Zoom rooms with over the past year or so. So that was kind of a surprise to me coming from my own naive view that, you know, that, that the poetry was, you know, in addition to the way it sounded and looked and was the message. That was the meat. You know, that was the meat for me. And it's been kind of a surprise uh, it was to find out that, hey, dude, it, I don't know why it should have been a surprise because I'm out there anyway. Uh, but All right. It was. It was surprising. All right. Well, let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Okay. back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I am here with the eloquent, erudite, <laughs> poet, 
T-A, expressionist <laughs> T-A now. T-A. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to take me a minute with the expressionist piece. It really it's is. Okay. Because... <laughs> you, can, you can go on with the poet thing. You can do All it. Right. No sense struggling with that. I've given up. I'm like, okay, folks. <laughs> I because know who I am. Even if you don't. <laughs> and, and that's the main thing. Because yep. even during that brief break, I Googled expressionism, expressionist poetry, <laughs> because I wanted to learn more. And, I don't and the, the major theme is discussing, sharing your feelings. So however you describe uh, okay. yourself, babe, I'm okay. with you. I'm with you. Okay. Expressionist poetry. That's exactly what I looked up. Okay. <laughs> See, I All right, my friend. Please exactly existed. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's why you're with me, man. That's why I'm that's your buddy. Right. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> Friends help each other. <laughs> All right. Please share a poem, my friend. Okay. Um, I, this is, I have to share this piece because, um, you know, I talked about social commentary being, you know, one of the cornerstones of what I write. And I've got to thank J.R. Turek and Chris Bogart for their input, which led to the current iteration of this piece, which I call, What Can We Do? I wish you could see it, but we can't, so I'll just read. I ask, what is the color of understanding? What is the color of vision that needs no eyes? What is the color of a mind that transcends transgressions? What is the color of generosity, of grace? What color should we assign to words and deeds that share no space? What destiny is ours to claim amidst the constant conflict? Can you show me the color of pain, of joy, of caring? Can we embrace the other in acknowledgement that they are we and we are they despite the slant of eye, the heft of hip, the curl of tongue, the scars of history, the history of scars, the abundance of emptiness, the emptiness of abundance? Can pigment penetrate my mind so deeply as to tell the rest of the story? Can we puncture the paradigm of surface significance and delve into the depths we share? It seems we forget to remember the fiction of eyes, the error of ears. We remember to forget our singularity in multiplicity. We stumble in darkness despite the light of possibility that hovers. We speak of oneness with inhalation, then exhale us and them. We have the promise to put aside bromides bereft of meaning. We can muster the resolve to dissolve the barricades we've created. We can, with sufficient will, revel in the core level connection that is ours to claim. We can choose the way we view the spectrum of skin that colors only the most external of our vital organs. That sheath that shrouds 
our kinship. Tell me, do words hurled in castigation and blame cast a different tinge in light of lip size or language? Do we dare upend the narratives that perpetuate delusions that empower the practices of exclusion? Do harmony and aspersions share a bed, or do they skirmish on a deadly social battlefield? Do we care to cast off the dubious comfort of heartache harbored for centuries, of guilt garnered by ancestral deeds, even if cause for heartache and guilt still exists? I confess, I'm chilled by the plasticity of smiles that come in all hues, their chemical coldness as numbing as any icy tundra. I'm sometimes consumed by the acid curl within, by the cramping agony erupting in all prism shades exposed in word and deed. I am baffled by unity calls afore and aft of accusations destined to sustain divisions. I am alternately numbed and deeply depleted by the splintering of this tree of life. And yet, I witness glistening copper drops bathing cheekbones high and mightily clear of malice, those onyx eyes shining full of benevolence, reminiscent of a blanket laid in reverence over prairie bones. I see eyes of empathy brimming, though they be blue as ocean hue. I claim the pain of past and present before expelling it in a cloud of hope. Feel the pulsing that spurs us on, the beat we all dance to despite disparate shade. I sense no enmity in your extended hand even if the back of yours does not favor mine. The faces of upturned palms are kindred. Thank you for listening. Wow. You know, the way that you marry words together is amazing. Well, thanks, Michael. It's true. And that poem is one of my favorite types. Because it segues into a question that I've asked almost 300 times. <laughs> so much is happening in the world. You know me, the good, mm-hmm. the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent. Mm-hmm. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society or an expressionist in modern-day society? Um. You know, it's it's the same role. I, I think I'm just going to have to repeat something I said earlier because it's the same role that I see for anybody, regardless of what their title is, position is, status. Um, and, and that role, again, is to live an, as, as enriched a life as possible. And in doing so, to enrich the lives of every other being in the human collective. You know, I believe, as I said before, you know, poets create. I mean, I think, right? That's what poetry is. It's, it's, it's creating. 
you know, whether, again, whether it's feeling, whether it's ideas, whether it's new ways of, of, of thinking, that poets create. And I see creativity as one of the primary roles of, of human existence, actually, you know. And, and since poets, you know, that's their primary role for me is, is being creative and stimulating ways, help people see things differently and hopefully in ways that will enhance the lives of other people. I mean, I, I can't put it, I, I can talk and talk, but that's essentially it. Why don't people understand that, my friend? And many who don't. <laughs> I don't know, Michael. I uh, again, I'm still stumped, as you can probably see in my poetry. There's there's a lot of frustration in in what I write, and there's a lot of people. It's right there, as, it, as I wrote in one of these lines that I just read. You know, mm-hmm. um, the potential is there. You know, I mean, there's so much potential hovering right there in front of our faces. But um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as if I were. I'm going to connect. I'll take on this poet thing for the moment. And if I'm a poet, what I'm trying to do is to say and, and to help people feel and see, look, you know, all this, all this bickering and whatnot, you know, it, it's, it, where is, where is it taking you and us? Where's, where are we going with this? <laughs> you know, uh, so if if I can, I don't care what people call me, if I can somehow get somebody to say, you know what, hmm, he's got a point. Maybe we mm. can do something a little different. <laughs> you know, mm. so it, wow. it's, it's it's heartbreaking for me, man. That's why I, I struggle a lot. I mean, I I I, I surprised the heck out of myself um, not too long ago. I, I posted me with a tear rolling down my face on Facebook. I'm like, ooh, too late. Can't mm-hmm. take it back now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it mm-hmm. was just so mm-hmm. it's just so sad, man. To to look around, to listen, to watch, and almost it doesn't matter what environment I go to. It's the same old stuff. It's about me, 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 I, I, I. You know, and and we can't function well that way. You know, what if every blood cell in your body decided it was all about me, me, I, I, I? What do you think would happen to your body? You know, if your thumb or your pinky or any of your fingers decided that it was better than the other finger and therefore it should get more, you know, and so what do you think? How would your hand function? I mean, there are right. so many analogies and metaphors throughout nature, throughout our own being to tell us, you know, this is madness, people. But I uh, hey, I'm spitting in the wind. <laughs> now, with that in mind, have your favorite poems arrived, or are they are they still on the way? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I, I don't think I heard you <laughs> ask that one. I've listened no. to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to ask. So you prepared. I threw a curveball. Hey, I love it. I love curveball because that, that's what's going to test whether I can bat or not. <laughs> since, since my crystal ball is a little bit foggy, I can't really tell you if my favorite poems are still out there. What I can tell you is that I sure hope so. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I just I just want you know to be able to continue to say things you know in in words and verse and what and whatever way that I do it, um, you know that helps me um, not just contribute to the lives of others but to keep enhancing my own being. And I figure that as long as I keep learning and growing and talking to people like you and Heidi and Judy and Hiram and, uh, you know, and I, I don't, did I, did I mention Julian Matthews yet or Cleveland Wall? You may have said the name earlier, but you're because not in detail. If, no, please share because more. If, because if I haven't, then I'm going to spank myself because, I mean, listen to these folks, man. My mind, I, I go, wow. I would love to be in that person's mind. I mean, the way the words are weaved going from idea to idea, I mean, it's just phenomenal what some of these folks do. So I'm hoping that as I listen and read and whatnot, um, that I'll I'll be able to say some of the things I want to say in, in more diverse ways that other people might access more easily. Mm. Well, so, how yeah, accessible? Well, how accessible do you view your poetry as being right now? Is it for the common man or woman, um, or whatever your honestly, way of being yep. is? Yep, yep. Honestly, I would have to say most of it probably not. Mm, tell me more. The, re- the reason I say that is because I have this fondness for words. You know, all right, and, all right. And, in, and in Trinidad, you know, I don't know about here, but in Trinidad, when I was a kid, you had to do vocabulary and you'd have to put your hand out and get a lash if you didn't learn your words. Um, mm. So, so I, I developed a love for words. So I think I throw in a lot of words that the average person might not. But I, I'm hoping, what I'm hoping, Michael, is that the rest, of the words around these words convey enough meaning and feeling so that almost anybody can, can grasp most of what I've written. Sometimes I'm writing for fun and, you know, and I'm not really, you know, I have this piece <laughs> called gibberish journey, gibberish journey, but you know, it, it's just for fun, pure fun, no real message except I can't help it. There's I sneak one in here and there. Well, but, would you like yeah. to share it? Will you share it with us? Uh, no, it's too long. I think I don't think we have okay. enough time. And, All right. Uh, and we're good. We're good. We're good. You need to be able to see it as well. <laughs> well, what so, about this? Andy. All poets have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work. Words or sentences that they just can't <laughs> help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? And why? Ooh, 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 that's a toughie. I didn't prepare for that one either. But I know one jumps, <laughs> one, one jumps right out at me, right over, right, right, right out, you know, off the, off the bat. And that's savor. You know, that, that's a word I, I just love because it's something I do, you know, when I eat, when I play, when I work. You know, I savor things, you know. And so that, mm-hmm. that pops up. What else? Oh, man, I'm bumming. I'm not ready for that question. Um, <laughs> that's the first one. That I had to go way back for that one. <laughs> yeah. 
I had to pull a rabbit out of hat with that one. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know all my others. And I think, you know, I think that um, I use the word prism an awful lot, too. Um, you know, looking through, because you're looking through and seeing many colors. And, you know, I, I do believe I use that word quite a bit as well. Um, but generally, you know, when I find myself using a word more than a couple of times, I'm like, dude, enough. <laughs> find something yeah. else. Get, get creative. <laughs> um, let's see. I still have one more to come up with, eh? Yes. Or I could just fail the test. And say I give yes, up. It's, it's That's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a champion. <laughs> you don't just stay on this. <laughs> you stay there all night long. <laughs> you finish that test. <laughs> well, I'll let you off the hook. I'll let you off the hook. I don't like it. I don't like to be let off the hook, but I think I'm, I'm gonna, I don't want to make some, I don't want to make something up, you know. So I guess I mm-hmm. get two two out of three ain't bad. I've heard the two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> All right, meatloaf. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Right. Now you know we've reached the favorite part of my show. I believe the we mini. Can? Poetry concert <laughs> before the <laughs> during this poetry concert, as you know, <laughs> you share three poems back to back without interruption from me. Mm. That's what I like you to do. Now oh. the stage is yours. Okay. Well, I'm going to stay in the social commentary segment and. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier the piece I read was thinking about Stephanie's son, and I'm going to read this because um, Heidi Casa told me that uh, it was significant for her, and, you know, if something I write is significant for somebody, I'm going to read it again. So here we go. It's called For Every. For every child offered no clue or far too many, whose parents are in for neither pound nor penny, For every child wielded as whip or bludgeon, whose only dwelling is the darkest dungeon. For every belly that growls in persistent longing, and those who in silence ache. For the emptiness unfilled by specter of belonging, and the giving that's often so full of take. For every moment of despair and absent care, for every path of maze that leads nowhere, for every corpse of dream dropped on haphazard pyre, for every fantasy immolated in reality's fire, for every mind and heart pining for purloined promise, for every ember doused in damp and glacial furnace, for every future toe stubbed on history's boulders, for every world unsupported by overburdened shoulders, for every sky that fell before it rose, for every seed that shrivels before it grows, for every moon that wanes before night bird sings, for every bloom that withers before the joy it brings. For every hint of wave crashing before it swelled. For every sweet fragrance dispersed before being smelled. 
For every cacophony couched in guise of harmony, for every melody shrouded in veil of discordancy, for every chance that passed without being hailed, for every opportunity embraced after it had long sailed, for every wish shattered on rocky bed of empty well, for every hope dashed long before the tolling bell, for every defeat dressed in garb of victory, for every triumph turned tale of ignominy, for every offered joy casually spurned or eschewed, for every piercing pain real or imagined subdued, for every shard of light coerced by inorganic dart, for every tree callously stripped of protective bark, for every shred of dark obscured by mirage of light. For every eye with vision blinded by selective sight. For every time fear won when it should have lost. For every bridge untread when it could have been crossed. For every delusion built with bricks of massed confusion. For every illusion constructed of entranced collusion. Yes, for every child offered no clue or far too many whose parents are in for neither pound nor penny. For every child wielded as whip or bludgeon whose only dwelling is the darkest of dungeons. For every belly that growls its persistent longing and for those who in silence ache for the emptiness unfilled by specter of belonging and the giving that's often too full of take, I weep. That's the end of that piece. And, uh, you know, I think since, since I would not be in this arena if it weren't for Hiram LaRue, who is the <laughs> founder of Poetry X Hunger, and who I have uh, collaborated with on a few uh, events geared towards fighting hunger. I think I've got to find a piece and read. Um, Boy, I put too many things in here. I will read a piece that's called The Planter. And uh, this is in honor of Hiram LaRue and Poetry X Hunger. He knows a thing or two about edibles emerging tentatively from trampled earth, from tilled earth, from earth that lies dormant until impregnation of seed, until saturation of life's liquid, until the warm, bright gleam penetrates the fleeing darkness. He knows about planting. Planting seeds in soil rich or barren, on hills swept clean while wind whistles near streams that gush or trickle, on desert scapes bereft of promise in skyscraper gardens and rural enclaves of the lost and forgotten. Yes, he knows about planting. 
planting ideas that curl and spiral up from smoky inspiration, spaced just so, so they can breathe can stretch their ephemeral limbs before settling in to the hard work of feeding minds and spirits. He knows their gripping pangs, their clenching, their yearning, gaping maws reminiscent of avarice, yet a more kin to need, not greed. When you dive into the depths, penetrate into the core of things, What's required is sustenance, not comeuppance. He knows beyond the power of gray matter and questing tendrils, knows somehow in his marrow, in his molecules that prickle all the way to skin from corns and calluses to follicles that mere morsels can serve as understudies for feasts. He knows that his heart beats, his blood flows, his neurons fire in replication of all who breathe, have breathed, will breathe, their hues as salient as dandruff on a white jacket. Thanks for listening to that one. Do I have time for the one more or is two enough, Michael? Yes, you've got time. We're fine. Okay. All right. Let's see. Well, I'm going to – it's such a choice here. Mm. Okay, I'm going to do one I wrote for Stephanie way back when. Love poem. I said, you know, relationships are big for me too. It's called yes. Four Feudal Letters. Wherever you are is where I want to be. That's what she said to me. If that ain't love, there ain't no such thing, nor will there ever be. Singing songs, just words and melodies I know are doomed to fail. When her beauty makes the sun, the moon, the heavens even pale. Gazing long and deep past those blue soul windows, I feel a sting behind my eyes, past visions reach, an achingly poignant song I sing. How could four letters capture the volumes which demand expression? These feeble attempts are all I've got. They are merely my concessions to the tide that swells within, that threatens to breach the dam that saturates all I ever was, all I'll ever be, yes, all that I am. Thanks so much for this opportunity, Michael. Yes. We're not done. Okay. (laughs) All right. Don't push your forms up yet. (laughs) All right. right. You know, your voice is just magnificent. Have you ever worked as a voiceover artist? Well, the only gig I've had over the last couple of years has been as an audio book producer. And now all right, writer. all right. 
And yes. That's, that's how I, that's how I met Hiram. I uh, he hired me to do the audio book of his um, most recently published collect, collection, Mud Ajar. And um, wow. And that's 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 how I ended up with you right now because of oh, that. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, fantastic. Because what I want to know is, what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? If there is a relationship. Oh, it is it is intimate. I mean, you know, they they're in bed together. They hardly even want to get up for breakfast. You know. <laughs> because <laughs> when I I'm sorry. When I write Oh, we we got all those images flowing in your head, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. <laughs> this program is rated G. And, uh, didn't, didn't say a thing. I didn't need to put a disclaimer. <laughs> TA is here. Right. Time for a disclaimer. Right. But uh, writing. <laughs> When I write, uh, the relationship, it's happening simultaneously, right? Uh, as I'm writing, I'm speaking in my head, even if I'm not doing it out loud. Um, so, you know, of course, when I'm finished with a piece that I've written and then really read it out loud, I, I hear where the rhythm doesn't work or, you know, a word that I, I've used might get in the way or something like that. So the process for me, for, because again, for me, poetry, you know, and I don't care where we are today, but poetry came from, from what I guess people call spoken word now, right? Uh, before there was pen and paper, there were people speaking poetry, right? They, they were singing their songs, they were chanting, they were doing things that, uh, you know, so sound, and this is where I come from, probably my ancestry, you know, there's a lot of rhythm and there's a lot of, uh, you know, the spoken word is, is part of my ancestry. So listening poetry, um, this is why I'll close my eyes when I'm listening to people on Zoom because I can't read the poem anyway. So I may as well just close my eyes and envision and listen. So sound is is just you know, indelible, you know, or inherent in poetry for me. It, it's it's a part of it, writing, speaking, it's all one. Well, I would have been remiss if I did not ask that question. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like you to, as we, we're almost at the end of this journey, to share okay. one more poem to kind of close us out with a big bang. Okay, right. the big bang poem, huh? Yes. All right. Let's see. Do you want a serious or a light one? What do you think? Whatever you'd like to share. Oh, Whatever's on your man. heart. Michael's not making it easy for me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to go back to my social commentary since I think that's the most important part of what I do. So... Uh, let's come here. Okay, I'm going to do this. Gosh, I know there are other pieces I would probably want to do, but I can't waste the time looking. Here we go. Um, I attended Raw I Am James's Home is the Heart open mic recently 
and I listen to yet another young, vibrant being, you know, whose who's incredible potential, to me anyway, lies limited beneath this skin color trap that was set so long ago, but, you know, that still wraps chains around people. And so this this one, it, it really pushed me right right away from from the Zoom room. It's called Wasted Tears and uh, Race Deconstruction Number 2, because that's one of my big missions, deconstructing that concept. Okay, Wasted Tears. Brilliance danced from his mouth and shimmied in the air like summer. His teeth gleamed golden phrases, but his metal was softer than gold and more precious, stronger too. His voice was angel harp, embira magic, steel pan sweet. No brook ever babbled so musically. So why then the welling up as his sentiment took wing from its nested perch of tangles landing on my weary ear? Why then the strain of withheld grimace, this ache and quiver now all too familiar as beautiful eyes speak blindly? Though like honey dripped the sounds, they landed on my skin like a lie on a marshmallow pillow, burning the fabric of my being. This nightingale sang behind skin-tone bars and dreaded locks that could not be picked. And the song he sang so sweetly was a parrot's. Thank you. Wow. You know, T.A., writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. (laughs) Why do you write? (laughs) Uh, Another tough question. Well, back back in the day and actually as recently as a year and a half ago, I was actually designing and planning to put a book out. Um, and because again, for me, writing is to establish connection, to communicate, to, to share that sort of thing with, with other people. Um, it is a way to bring people together. Now I had given up on writing pretty much because I realized that, you know what? People don't want to hear the message I'm bringing because it totally contradicts who they are and what they've learned and how they're being in the world and who wants to hear that kind of stuff. And it's already in my mind, and if nobody else wants to read it, what's the point in writing it? But as, as again, as I entered into this domain, um, you know, I was prompted to start writing again and uh, not just poetry. And uh, I write because there are things that I'd like to express and there are things that I would love to share with people who are interested in, in sharing. And I think that's that's as, as good enough. That's a good enough All right. for me. 
just one last one. Do the internet and social media contribute to the well-being of poetry? <laughs> That's an easy. You gave me an easy one to close. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 100,000 million percent. The internet and I mean, again, we wouldn't be talking right now. If That's it exactly right, my friend. For the Internet. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I would not have met some of the people that, you know, that I consider pretty dear to me. I mean, you know, James Bryant, I don't know if you, you know about Spofest. Um, at all poetry and prose, no. but that's going to be even even if I step away, that's that's going to be something close to me. I mean, and that Chip, excuse me, oh, hold on a second, let me grab my mm-hmm. drink. <laughs> Pardon me, Chip Williford. <sighs> yeah, Chip Williford at Poetry Street. I wouldn't have met. I mean, I've developed some you know, some attachments to folks uh, that I would not have. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have the opportunity to get their work and their, their their writings out there for other people to hear and share. And, you know, like people say, oh, why don't you publish? You know, I don't care about publishing. That's not my objective. Mm. My objective, mm-hmm. again, is to share thoughts, feelings, emotions, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it's not that's not going to happen if I got a book on somebody's shelf that they read one or two pieces and and they put down, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but I will, you know, I'm working on my blog and I'm working on, on YouTube and I'm going to put as many of my pieces, you know, on the blog and on YouTube as I can. And people might stumble across it someday and it might do them some good. Um, Wow. (laughs) You know that we, You've already got a comment <laughs> that popped up on my screen. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Vincent Cologne. My man, Vinny. <laughs> he said, wow. Blown away tonight by this brilliant Q&A. So good. T.A., you've only just begun. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That is very nice, but that's Vinny. Isn't that Vinny, nice? Right? Vinny, that is very nice, but, uh, you know, Vinny, Vinny is that way, very supportive. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, like I said, he's, you know, I listen to Vinny. I read his pieces, and we do exchanges, and, you know, I think this is what it's about for me, you know, making these connections right. that help me grow and help the other people grow. That's what it's about. How can listeners stay in touch? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, T.A. Niles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, again, T.A. Niles 13, and uh, I've got the blog, T.A. I don't even know my own stuff, right? I should have that sitting right up here in front of me like a smart person would. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but T.A. T.A. Poet Express.blogspot.com was my blog, mm-hmm. but there aren't that mm-hmm. many T.A. Niles' writings, stuff like this mm-hmm. out there. So, um, All right. And, and they can always contact me through you, you know, or jump yes, into always. the Quintus, to quintessential listening. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've got the Facebook group. I'm hanging out there. <laughs> yes, you are, my friend. Well, <laughs> hey, what's next for you? Where do you go from here? What's next for you creatively, T.A. Niles? 
Yeah, that's you know, it's it's really an easy question because, like I said, my uh, what I'm going to be focusing on more, I I hope anyway, is because I've got a lot of stuff written, Michael, lots and lots of stuff. But I just have never, I don't take the time to really do a lot with my own work unless, oh, somebody sends me a prompt and, you know, I've got to do something. But I want to take my time and start putting the things that I've already written up on the blog and put it on YouTube to make that accessible. Because you never know, you know, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years down the road, if the earth is still spinning and the internet still works, some some young person might stumble upon that, you know? Um, and that's that's got to be my hope. And so I'm going to try to do that and step away from a lot of these um, the Zoom rooms because uh, I've got mm-hmm. enough people that I connect with poetically and and again, when we go to the Zoom rooms for me, pardon me if you get upset, but there's a whole lot of wow and you're wonderful and, and all that sort of thing going on, which is not really what interests me. What interests me right. is what is the message and what are you getting and can we talk about what this actually means? So anyway, that's my answer. Wait, here's one more comment okay. from Spofest. Spofest poetry and prose. Michael, very good questions for T.A. I've enjoyed your interview formatting style. T.A., you know how I feel about you, brother. You rock. Oh, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> and you do. And you do. And you do. And you do. You know, T.A., you're like my much older brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 I resemble that remark. <laughs> you hear me say much older. I think you are absolutely outstanding. Well, I appreciate that because I feel the same way about you, my friend. What you do is incredible. <laughs> what, I mean, you're doing, here's the thing, right? I mean, you know, I talk about doing my blog and doing my, you know, my, my YouTube. You know, you are exposing so many people, you know, to so many creatives. You know, you, 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 your, your, your lineup is diverse. I mean, uh, yes, as I said, I think I told you you know, when we had a conversation that, you know, I actually stayed out and cleaned my car, which I wouldn't have done if I wasn't listening to your show. Because, <laughs> because I, was, I changed the tire and I was all done. <laughs> but then you, well, you had Kevin on and I was listening to that and it still had a half hour mm-hmm. to go. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to clean the inside. <laughs> You know, actually, someone was attempting to call in, but uh, they're no longer there for some reason. So maybe oh, it's time okay. to go. I want to keep you all night. <laughs> Again, I wish you, man, this was great. Like I said, I was so nervous, so full of anxiety, because I just think you're outstanding. 
Thanks, Bob. I appreciate that, but I'm the last person you want to have anxiety. You know, old Lionel Richie, I'm easy like a Sunday morning, bro. I am easy like a Sunday morning. Last person to be anxious. Well, I wanted to live up to my reputation. You did. You did. You did. You did. Oh, oh, this person is back. Gee, I've got to bring them on. I've got to bring them on. Area code 505. The first three numbers are 720. You're on the air with TA. Good evening. Hello. Would you like to share? Yes. Hi. Hello. Uh, Hi, Dr. Michael Anthony and TA. This is, this is Mary, uh, Mary December. Oh, Mary December. <laughs> so I've been enjoying this entire show, and the conversation between you two is priceless. I absolutely love it. And I wasn't sure. I was kind of waiting for you to say it's time to call in. So I'm sorry I'm calling so late. But um, <laughs> but then, and I didn't know where to leave comments where the other people were. But I wanted to mm-hmm. let you know how much I've enjoyed this show and all of your shows, Michael Anthony. But the one with you and TA, like I said, it's just been priceless with your conversation. And the thing that I've really, really enjoyed is how you both are really bringing about the importance of poetry in whatever that means mm-hmm. and however mm-hmm. a person uh, lives that in their life. Um, and I thought of the poem by Pablo Neruda called mm-hmm. Poetry, and you both probably know that, but um, it, to me, you know, it's about poetry calling us, where it starts out translated by Alistair Reed. And it was at that age, poetry arrived in search of me. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful, beautiful, the entire poem, it's a very short poem uh, by um, Pablo Neruda, worth reading. But I kept thinking of that um, in that it sounds like for you, T.A., that poetry just was searching for you. And you were, and you know, I think we have, and it did for me. I that's how it came to me. I wasn't searching mm-hmm. for it. It it came searching for me. And um, wow. right, but you have to be open for it, you know. And then mm-hmm. and then and then grasp it, you know, like when it's there, like go go for it, right? <laughs> right. Yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> thank you, Mary. <laughs> you're welcome, Mary. Oh, you're thank welcome. You Your so poetry much. is great. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you. You're All right. Wonderful. I'll talk Thank to you, you soon. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> T.A., you're a star. <laughs> Ooh, well, you're a star, good buddy. I, I you're a star. You're a poetic Sorry. star. <laughs> I guess I'll just squirm a little bit here, my <laughs> And everyone knows in the, the Quit is Such a Good Listening Poetry Online radio group that this is your swan song. But I don't believe that. Those are just words. Those are just words. All right. Well, <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, maybe the word just works. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> for being with me. I thoroughly enjoyed this time with you, my friend. Like I mean, your, your work is exquisite, and uh, 
That's all I can say. I, I'm, I'm speechless. Enough said. Enough said. We've talked a lot. I sure appreciate you being so open and welcoming and encouraging. And uh, and again, what you do is incredible. All the people whose voices you allow to be heard, I think that's worthy of a lot of kudos, my friend. Well, what we do is incredible. Thank you. We're a collective. What we do. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for listening in. <laughs> it's thank an incredible you. program. I probably said that 18 times tonight, but it was. So I want to thank T.A., you're welcome back anytime. You know that. Thank this you is your mind. permanent home. Your permanent home. All right. All right. Have a good well, night. Thanks again. Thank you, all sir. Folks. All right. And as I share with everyone every week, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, T.A. All right. Good night, night, everybody. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.